the assassin. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. What up, y'all? You're listening to Sports Talk with Trop, and I'm your host, Katie Trop. Well, since it is playoff time, I just wanted to remind y'all, you can, uh, if you're into sports gambling at all, you could go to uh, my uh, website, katietrop.net, and you can find uh, Sports Talk with Trop's uh, preferred sports books on my website. If you just go to uh, katietrop.net, click on the tab that says Sports Talk with Trop, uh, there is a banner that uh, says Preferred Sports Sports books, click on that and you will see a few sports books that you could sign up for and uh, gamble your life away if you uh, wish to do so. Uh, but I wanted to remind you all of that because it is playoff time and I know a lot of people like to put some money on these games. And uh, since it is playoff time, we did uh, not get to, uh, we'll go ahead and recap Monday's wild card matchup games. Uh, real quick here, we had uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills did exactly what we expected them to do. They uh, they just killed it. They they won thirty one to seventeen. It wasn't really close. There were some moments in the first half where it, it looked like Pittsburgh was going to have a little bit of life, but overall, it was really just a runaway from the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen had a phenomenal game. He went twenty one for thirty, two hundred three yards, and three touchdowns on in the air, and then added an additional seventy four yards on the ground with a great running touchdown that he got, which was probably one of the big plays of the game. But uh, the Buffalo Bills did exactly what they do. Uh, Just uh, absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, the Steelers are uh, now out of the playoffs. And then we had us a hilarious Monday night football game. At least I thought it was hilarious. It's the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers straight up dominated the Eagles 32-9. It was hilarious. I mean, the Eagles were in such disarray. Their body language was off from from the jump. Uh, that you know, uh, Jalen Hurts, his butt hurts definitely now because uh, that dude was running for his life. Uh, he was making some pretty terrible throws. I mean, really, the only person who had a good game that night was Devontae Smith. But shit, that defense, what the hell kind of tackling was that? It was just a comedy of errors just all around. And uh, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, actually had the best performance in playoff history for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, in their uh, in their uh, franchise's history. Um had the best playoff performance ever for a quarterback. Yeah, they they had Tom Brady on their team at quarterback. So Baker Mayfield went 22 for 36 with 337 yards and three touchdowns on the night. It was a great performance from him. Um, a really good performance defensively from the, the Buccaneers as well. Um, but uh, it was just straight-up domination. The Eagles looked pathetic. Um, all I got to ask is what the fuck happened to the Eagles? Now, I truly found it amusing because I hate the Eagles. I'm a Cowboys fan, so there's nothing that I like about the Philadelphia Eagles. But just in football, just looking at a football fan perspective, what the fuck happened to this team? I mean, they were in the Super Bowl last year, barely lost. I mean, they easily could have won that shit. 
but they didn't. Um, and then they started the season off 10-1, and one, looking like they were just on track to head back to the Super Bowl. Hell, I was even looking at them at one point like, damn, this is going to be the Super Bowl winning team. And then they lost to the San Francisco 49ers, and it never picked up for them ever again. Um, the weird, And you just don't know what the hell happened. I mean, defensively, they couldn't make a tackle for shit. It was like they were so good at the beginning of the season, and then this second half of the season, they couldn't tackle for anything. And I mean, that was a comedy of errors type tackling against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and then you had just the weirdest thing to see was pretty much every receiver, all the way from the wide receiving court to the tight end, were starting to argue and yell at Jalen Butthurts on the sideline, like it was just the weirdest fucking thing to see. I don't know what the hell happened with this locker room. I don't know what the hell Jalen Hurts did uh, because he he was he's been getting uh, getting it from his receivers and tight ends for the last couple of weeks. I mean, they are having open fights on the sideline, and that's not that's always a bad thing. I mean, there's always nothing's roses, you know. There's always uh, tiffs and fights, and I'm sure there's tons of shit we don't see or even know about, but these guys would be literally arguing and yelling at him on the sideline, and so it, it just was a very weird vibe from the Eagles, and uh, and then also in Eagles news, uh, uh, their center, Jason Kelsey, uh, that was pretty much the only, like, sad part of the game is it looks like he's going to retire um, after the game. Um, he apparently told his teammates he's going to retire. He hasn't, quote, officially retired yet, but it's looking more and more like it. I mean, he when it was the fourth quarter, and you could tell that the Eagles had no shot in this. He's sitting on the bench, tearing up. And uh, then I even saw him. He, he was talking to somebody on the sideline close to the end of the game. And I saw him mouth, I just can't do this anymore. And so I was like, damn, Kelsey really is going to retire. And uh, I mean, as a Cowboys fan and a Philadelphia Eagles hater, hats off to Jason Kelsey. This guy is one of the greatest centers of all time. Uh, he just was he just was a beast. And I have mad respect for the dude. Absolutely deserves to go into the Hall of Fame whenever it is he does end up retiring. And like I said, it looks like it's happening. He just hasn't officially announced it yet. But uh, just hats off to the dude. He was he was a killer. I, I'm happy he's retiring just because I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't want to see his ass kicking our ass two times a year now. Uh, maybe we'll be able to get at the quarterback a little bit better with no uh, Kelsey there. I mean, he w- played a huge role in this team uh, from the day he was drafted and just got better with age. I mean, he just, just started to get better and better. And honestly, if he didn't retire, I wouldn't be shocked because the dude, he played great this year. I mean, one of the reasons why the tush push worked so well for them uh, the last couple of seasons is because he is the driving force and it's really difficult to get lower than him. Uh, which in this Buccaneers game, shockingly, they were able to even stop that. So nothing worked for the Eagles in this game. Not even the tush push. The freaking uh, Bucks actually won won in uh, that matchup. So uh, hats off to Jason Kelsey if you're retiring, dude. And uh, I'm sure you'll be successful at whatever it is you go on to do next. And then one thing, I uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on in this game is how stupid Philadelphia Eagles fans are. I mean. There were, they went to a shot of a couple of Eagles fans in the stands and then were wearing the freaking bags over their heads. Like, oh, I'm embarrassed to be an Eagles fan. 
And first of all, I've always hated that shit because as a Cowboys fan, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to have seen my team when I was growing up win three Super Bowls, but they haven't been shit uh, in 30 freaking years. And I just got to see them get embarrassed on the field last weekend. But you know what? I wear my Cowboys pride loud and proud. You will never see me not supporting my team. You will never see me wearing a fucking paper bag over my head acting like I'm embarrassed to be a Cowboys fan. But boy, howdy, these Eagles fans, when I saw that, I was like, that's what whiny little cunts you guys are. Y'all are like, you won a Super Bowl like, what, six years ago? So you, in recent history, have seen your team win a Super Bowl. They just went to the Super Bowl last year. And oh my God, you had one down year in which you still made the playoffs. And you're putting bags over your heads. Fuck off. Seriously, fuck the fuck off, you fucking crybabies. That's an Eagles fan for you. And when I saw that shit, like I said, I've hated that. Since I was a kid and I used to see Saints fans doing that shit, I'm like, you are not a real fucking fan if you put a goddamn bag over your head and you are not proud to be representing whatever team it is that you are a fan of. If you are a little bitch like that, fuck you. I don't want you as a, as a, a fan of any of the teams that I root for. So that's my rant on that dumbass shit. So let's get to the uh, divisional round matchups this weekend. We have us some doozies here. Um, I'm not really going with any upsets this weekend, but there is one matchup I wouldn't be shocked if there is an upset. So let's start off with uh, the uh, Saturday games, uh, beginning with the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Right now the Ravens are a nine-point favorite. Um, these guys already faced off against each other earlier in the season. I believe it was in week one when they faced off. So both of these teams are in completely different, um, just they're completely different teams. So you can't really judge off of that. Not that I do. I don't think if you face off against each other, that has any bearing on this game because it's a, it's a completely different game, completely different day. But anyways, um, the Texans, the, you know, they are coming off of a big win last week against the Browns in which they pretty much just dominated them. Offensively and defensively, C.J. Stroud did not look uh, looks rattled like a rookie should in his first playoff game. Uh, but now they're going up against the Ravens. And the Ravens, to me, are the most complete team. Defensively, um, there is a saying called defense wins championships. A lot of people don't believe that exists anymore, but if you actually watch football, you have to have at least a halfway decent uh uh, defense to win anything. As a matter of fact, the, the majority of the upsets in Super Bowl history come from a really, really good defense. And the Ravens have that. They have absolutely the best defense in the league. They led the league in sacks. They had a ton of takeovers. This team ain't no joke defensively. Then you turn to the offensive side of the ball and you've got Lamar Jackson, who has just turned into an even better quarterback this year. The guy is just owning it from the pocket and only running when necessary. Then, of course, they've got the really good ground attack. Uh, the wide receivers, including uh, Zay Flowers, the rookie, they the receivers have been holding it down, especially the second half of the season. They look like they should. And then on the special team side of things, you've got Tucker, uh, arguably one of the greatest field goal kickers ever in the history of the league. He's all reliable. And then you take a look at it on the kickoff game and punt return game. They're actually pretty goddamn good there. Uh, and then, of course, they've got a great coach in Harbaugh. So to me, the Ravens are the most complete team in the playoffs. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't guarantee a win, of course. But 
I feel like the Houston Texans are running into a buzzsaw this time. I kind of feel like the Ravens defense is really going to have C.J. Stroud um, uh, running for his life and uh, putting him in positions he doesn't want to be in and potentially causing some turnovers here. Um, I feel like the Ravens offense is really not going to have any issues with the Houston Texans defense. While they did step it up last week and they have had their moments on defense, their defense can get blown up. Um, and especially on the ground attack. And you you can't you can't get blown up against the ground attack against the Ravens because they have uh, the best ground attack in the league. So I do think the Ravens um, have the upper hand here. I do think they're the better overall better team just in general. I do think it's going to be a good game. I think Houston's going to give them a run for their money. But in the end, I have the Baltimore Ravens winning 28 to 20. Then the Saturday night game is going to be the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. Right now, the Niners are a nine and a half point favorite. Uh, the Packers are coming off of that huge win against the Cowboys. Um, the thing with the Packers is, uh, and a lot of people aren't noticing this, is that ever since they got Aaron Jones back from injury, they have been hot and they've been playing really well. And he's been averaging over 100 yards per game the last like five, six, seven games, something like that. So they got a healthy Aaron Jones back, and uh, that's that's a big deal for this team, and it's really opened up this offense. Defensively, they've been able to hold it down, uh, but they are coming up against a very, very talented San Francisco 49ers team. Um, and uh, depending on health, they should be uh, they're going to be really difficult to stop. And if this turns into an offensive shootout, which I wouldn't be surprised if it does, I, I give the edge to the Niners. They have Debo Samuel, who is just really difficult for anybody to bring down. Then you have Christian McCaffrey, who uh, had one of his best seasons of his career this year. Uh, Brock Purdy hasn't really been shaken up yet. He has had a couple of shitty games this season, but I mean, that's to be expected from every single uh, quarterback in the league. Um, so I do expect the Niners to really actually hold it down. I feel like their defense is uh, is going to have Jordan Love rattled just a bit. Um, and I do have the Niners winning this one 31-21. to I think it'll start off close, but then as the game wears on, the Niners are just going to uh, ground and pound and then probably get some uh, big plays from Kittle and uh, Debo. And uh, I've got the Niners winning 31-21. to then the games on Sunday that we have uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Detroit Lions. Right now, the Lions are a six and a half point favorite. Now, out of all the games this weekend, this is the one I look at and go, this has the most potential to be on upset alert uh, because K Kansas City versus Buffalo, whoever wins that one, that's not an upset because both of those teams are good and uh, we expect them to be where they're at and they're, they're both about the same level. Uh, but the Buccaneers, uh, we did not expect them to really be here. Nobody has really taken them serious, uh, even though they've been on an, a nice winning streak and have been winning pretty convincingly. Nobody's really expected them to even make it this far. Uh, whereas the Detroit Lions, they've been one of the most consistent teams all season. They've they've played hard, uh, tough, hard-nosed football all season. They're great offensive line, great defensive line. Jared Goff has had a pretty good season, and uh, they're just they're just rolling. Now, the thing, the only thing I think could be a potential disaster for the Lions in this one is um, they are coming off of a huge high off of last week's win, and sometimes that tends to bring you down the following week. But if I just look at it from a team perspective, the Lions are easily the better team in this one. The Buccaneers' defense is really damn good, and I think that they'll, they'll give Detroit issues, um, and I do think, you know, they could, they have the potential to blow up Detroit's secondary as well, but 
the Lions are just the better team to me. Um, it's actually been really difficult for Tampa to score a lot of points, even though they did score a lot of points last week. Uh, that's not a really consistent thing for them. I mean, they, they've been, you know, they won a game a couple weeks ago, what, like nine to nothing or some shit like that. So they, they sometimes get stuck in the red zone and have to settle for field goals. And then just it's sometimes become a, becomes real difficult for them to start scoring. And that's not an issue with the Lions. Um, I do think the Lions are the better team. And I just kind of feel like Tampa is that team that's just going up. Uh, they're here. They're okay. But now it's the end of the road for them. So I do have the Lions winning this one 24 to 17. But like I said, if there's one game this week that I feel like there's going to be an upset, it would be this one. Um, just because the Bucks have the potential uh, to definitely hold down the Lions. I mean, they're great against the run. And uh, so if you have to rely on Jared Goff, he's had his moments where he's thrown some interceptions. And then if that turns out to be the case, well, the Bucks are going to set their offense up in good field position. And then we'll see what happens there. But I, I just am leaning towards Detroit in this one uh, just because I think it's just that time that Tampa is out of here. And then, of course, our uh, Sunday, our late Sunday game is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. Right now, the Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, and this has turned into the um, the new rivalry, if you will. Now, to me, it can't officially be a rivalry until the Bills and Josh Allen actually win in the postseason. They, we've had some excellent um, games in the postseason against the two of them. And then, of course, in the regular season, they pretty much split their matchups, but in the postseason, it's been all Chiefs. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case this time around, though. I don't. I I don't think the Chiefs are that good. Even though, yes, they got a, a good win last week against the Dolphins. I didn't think the Dolphins were that good of a team, and I'm not shocked that they laid a complete egg. I mean, the same problems were there that have been discussing about the Chiefs all season long, and that is their dropped passes, which they had quite a few in the last game. And then their follies in the red zone. Last week, they pretty much had to settle for field goals the entire time. I feel like if they faced off against a legitimate team, they probably would have got their asses beat last week because they really weren't that excellent. You know, it was a typical Patrick Mahomes has to carry the entire team, which he did, by the way. He had some amazing plays. But at some point, if nobody else steps up for him on a consistent basis, they're going to have their issues. And this Buffalo Bills team, their defense, didn't really have many problems against them in their, their previous matchup about a month ago. Um, and Josh Allen's just playing at a whole other level right now. And I just kind of look at this one, and I feel like the Buffalo Bills are poised and ready to finally beat the Chiefs in the postseason and finally take the next step and uh, maybe move on to potentially win the Super Bowl. Uh, but since the Chiefs, to me, there's really not a big threat with them. Uh, you know, they can't score in 13 seconds anymore. You know, there was the uh, playoff game against these two in the divisional round, like what, like three, four years ago, where uh, we had this crazy, insane, basically last, what, three, four minutes of the game where it was like they were trading touchdowns and the Chiefs got the ball with 13 seconds left on the clock and were able to score just in a matter of seconds. They aren't like that anymore. They don't have a lot of big play guys in Hill. Even Travis Kelsey, he's usually really reliable, but that dude has been dropping passes like crazy the last like month too. This isn't a this isn't a, just a last week or a couple weeks thing. He's just has not been that good the last month and a half. So he's not even being reliable. So uh, to me, it's a lot to ask for Patrick Mahomes to have to do everything. 
Uh, he's a phenomenal player, but at the end of the day, I just kind of look at this and I go, uh, Buffalo, they're, they're the better squad. They're the hotter squad. They're the more consistent squad. And so I do have Buffalo finally getting over the hump and winning this one 27-20. to 20. And then in a little bit of other NFL news this week, um, you know, on uh, Monday's show, I was pretty pissed off because the Cowboys got demolished um, in the playoffs by the Packers. And, of course, I was calling for McCarthy's head, as all of us were. Uh, but it was announced uh, on Wednesday, I believe, that uh, McCarthy is going to be back for the Cowboys as their head coach. Um, at first, my initial shock or my initial reaction was, God damn it. But then at the same time, changing coaches doesn't guarantee anything, first of all. Second of all, that restarts everything. So that means we are not winning a Super Bowl next year for sure. Um, And also, the thing that really, really changed my mind on this and opinion on this is the reason, the main reason why they're keeping him is because the locker room and the players love him. They all had his back after the game. They all had his back, apparently, uh, when when Jerry Jones asked him about it. And I'm sorry, that opinion matters way more than any of our stupid opinions on the outside. And I'm talking about all of us fans, because none of us are there. None of us play the game. None of us know what the fuck is going on there. And uh, none of our opinions matter in any way, shape, or form. I know the majority of us fans think our opinions actually have an effect on the game and what should happen. No, it doesn't. And uh, I don't know what's going on in that locker room, but if they have faith in Mike McCarthy, I have to have faith in Mike McCarthy. So I have come to terms with that, yes, we're going to see him next year again. And I, I, always, I knew we weren't getting rid of Dak Prescott. Come on. That, that, what, what are we going to do? Really, what are we going to do? We, we don't have a high draft pick, so the, we're not going to be getting Caleb Williams or somebody like that in the draft. And w- there's no, like, free agent. What are we going to do, get Kirk Cousins? That's no better than Dak. So we just got to do what we got to do. And also, this was the first season that Mike McCarthy was calling the plays. It actually was going well. Um, it had its moments where it wasn't that great. But overall, Dak Prescott had his greatest season ever. So uh, C.D. Lamb had his greatest season ever. So who's to say if we actually get a ground attack next year? And, uh, by the way, I've been reading, Derrick Henry has mutual interest with the Dallas Cowboys of potentially signing with them. That is my hope because we get Derrick Henry. Just watch out. Just fucking watch out because that's the missing piece right there. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I'm not going to throw a fucking temper tantrum over it because, like I said, I'm not in that locker room. If those dudes are all about Mike McCarthy, I can't hate it. And uh, I'm not a crybaby Eagles fan. I ain't putting no fucking bag over my head. I rep my team, my squad, every fucking day. So, uh, I mean, I've got them tattooed on me. That's how much I rep my fucking squad. So, we got Mike McCarthy for another year. We'll see what happens. Obviously, I'm I'm actually pissed off that I have to sit here and talk about next year with the Cowboys, and I don't get to talk about them playing this weekend. But it is what it is. All right, moving on to the NBA. We had a couple of uh, good games this week. We had a trade and then some sad news as well. Let's begin with on Tuesday night. We had us a game between the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Phoenix was down 22 in the fourth quarter, and they went on a 23-4 run. And Kevin Durant had the uh, game-winning, not field goal, but uh, game-winning free throws. Uh, to uh, put the Phoenix Suns up over the Kings, 119 to 117. Durant ended up with 27 points in the game, and uh, it was a really, really interesting game. It's just kind of 
uh, crazy to see with the Kings because I kind of expected them to kind of fall back just a bit from last year, and uh, they definitely are not as dominating as they were last year. Uh, then on Wednesday, uh, Pascal Siakam of the uh, Toronto Raptors ended up getting traded to the Indiana Pacers, which I think is a good move by the Pacers. You know, they just broke through on my uh, top 10 NBA power rankings this week, and they're just a team I've been watching in the Eastern Conference where I'm like, are they going to be a threat? Do people need to watch out for them? And now they add in Siakam, who is probably on the downside of his career, but he still helps them out on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and uh, makes them a little bit more competitive. I mean, they do own the Milwaukee Bucks this year. Just just think about We get to playoff time, and the Pacers go up against the Bucks. The Bucks might be shaking in their boots, and now they've got Siakam, who just adds a little bit more offense and a little bit more defense to this squad. I think it's a great move by the Indiana Pacers. Um, and then in just a bit of sad news, uh, earlier this week, uh, the Golden State Warriors assistant coach, uh, suffered a heart attack, um, and they were at uh, they were at a like a team function. I think they were eating dinner together or something, and he just uh, had a heart attack during dinner. Was in the hospital, and unfortunately, ended up dying a few hours later. Um, of course, they would end up. Uh, so far, they've postponed, um, I believe, two games this week, and that totally makes sense. I mean, first of all, it happened in front of all of the team, so imagine how what a traumatic event that is for everybody who, who witnessed it. And then to top it off, he's, he died. So uh, they're probably nowhere near the mindset to be playing any basketball. So to give them the rest of the week off, I have no issues with that because that probably really, really just, uh, just decimate. I mean, the Warriors have had a difficult season as it is, just on the court, and then you know, with all the the shit with Draymond Green, and then to top it off with this, that was just uh, that was some really terrible news to hear. And he was only forty two years old as well, so it's not like he was an old guy. But then again, it's like heart attacks can happen to anybody. So uh, just uh, terrible news for the Golden State Warriors there, and uh, just uh, hope they uh, they are able to uh, overcome that tragic event as best they can because that. Uh, Probably wasn't too fun watching your assistant coach have a heart attack right in front of you. On to some more fun um, talk during this uh, this uh, the show. Let's uh, go on to my list this week. I'm doing a little bit of a different list. I'm showing some love to uh, to a group of guys we don't usually show love to, and that's going to be some offensive linemen, most specifically NFL centers. Um, and that would be just because, you know, Jason Kelsey um, is more than likely retiring. And I was like, you know what would be a good top five to do? The top five greatest NFL centers. Um, just because there are a lot. I mean, the offensive line. Here's the thing about the offensive line. They don't get a lot of love. Now, they do get paid a lot. Don't think that they are hurting in their pockets at all. But just to the average fan, nobody really gives a shit about the offensive line because they aren't scoring all the points or making all the big flashy plays. They're just doing the grunt work. They're the grinders. But if it wasn't for the offensive linemen, there would be no ground attack. There would be no Patrick Mahomes making big plays. There would be no Tom Brady in seven Super Bowl rings, okay? There would be nothing because the offensive line is where it starts. And where it really starts on the offensive line specifically is at the center position. That is the, he snaps the ball. He touches the ball each and every time. He is who everybody on the team trusts more than anybody, including the quarterback, because it all starts with the center. So I decided this week we're going to show some love 
to the centers of the NFL, most specifically the top five greatest centers in the NFL. Beginning with number five, that would be uh, Mike Webster of the Pittsburgh Steelers from 1974 to 1988. Um, And then he played with the Kansas City Chiefs as well from 1989 to 1990. He played in 245 games and started 217 of those games. That is one thing about offensive linemen. The the greatest stat you can ever have is how many games you, you started and if you are one of the few who started, like, every single game, like, really, imagine being stuck in the position that these dudes are stuck in every single game. Imagine how their fucking legs and back and arms, their entire body is probably in pain after this game. But, uh, so when you start every single game, shit, you a beast. But Webster didn't start every single game he, that he played in, but that doesn't matter. He started in 217 of them. Um, he even had uh, six fumble recoveries as well, so that's a guy who pays attention also. Uh, you know, he blocked for Terry Bradshaw, of course, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and then Franco Harris, one of the greatest running backs of all time. So this guy has blocked for the greats. He's one of the most consistent offensive linemen ever. He's a four-time Super Bowl champion, six-time first team. Um, he was on the all-decade team in the 70s and the 80s. He was also uh, voted to the 75th and 100th anniversary teams, and also a member of the all-rookie team in his rookie season. One of the most consistent uh, centers to ever play the game. Then at number four on my top five greatest centers of all time, Jason Kelsey. Uh, plays, played with the Philadelphia Eagles from 2011 to 2023, it looks like. Um, if he goes on another year, then he goes on another year. I don't think that uh, will make him fall further down. Also, I don't think it'll move him up above my trop three, but he's definitely number four. Um, Games played, 193. Games started, 193. All reliable. That's what I'm saying. This guy started and never fucking looked back. He has been one of the most consistent centers ever. He is a Super Bowl champion uh, and a six-time first team. Um, So he's just been very consistent. You know, he's blocked uh, for Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's blocked for Carson Wentz. He's he's just been, honestly, their offensive line has been great basically since they drafted him. That says it all right there. And then at number three on my top five greatest centers of all time, Jim Otto. Uh, played with the Oakland Raiders from 1960 to 1974. Yes, some of these guys that I'm mentioning have actually played before it even became the NFL. These guys are insane. Now with Jim Otto... Games played, 210. Games started, 210. This guy was a beast. It was actually difficult for me to not put him at number one. Number one really is only number one because he's done something that no other offensive lineman has ever done in the history of the league. That's pretty much what put him above everybody else. But Jim Otto is a man. He's a dude. There are some pictures you look at him and you go, whoa. I ain't fucking with him. So I can imagine what he was like as a center in the 60s and the 70s playing for this Oakland Raiders team. He is a one-time champion. He actually uh, won a championship before it became the NFL. And then, of course, I believe they made five Super Bowls, four Super Bowls with him. Um, Unfortunately, lost the ones that he he went to, but he was a one-time champion. Uh, Nine-time first team. And then he was also voted to the 100th anniversary team as well. Uh, but really, just one of the most hard-nosed, 
motherfuckers on the planet. Then at number two, one of my top five greatest centers of all time. Talk about hard-nosed motherfuckers. His name is Chuck Benarik. I don't know how the Philadelphia Eagles were able to get him and Jason Kelsey, literally two of the top five centers, at least in my opinion, in the history of the league. He played with the Eagles from 1949 to 1962. This guy was in the league for so long that he actually is the last what they call two-way player. That means he played on both offense and defense. As a matter of fact, he played linebacker on defense and then, of course, played center on offense. So at center, he played in 169 games and started 166 of them. On defense, he had 20 interceptions, 21 fumble recoveries, and a touchdown. Also in one, involved in one of the most crazy hits you will ever see against Frank Gifford. He knocked Gifford out, uh, broke his leg, sent him to the hospital with just an, ex- I believe it was called an extreme concussion, or it was, it wasn't just concussion, it was like, you got knocked the fuck out, motherfucker, type of concussion, um, and, and he, what, what's most notable about it is he's like actually standing over Frank Gifford, if it was in this day and age, everybody would have their fucking diapers out and just crying like a motherfucker, uh, if he did this, but he was basically kind of like laughing, like, ha ha ha, bitch, I just knocked your ass out. And you know what? It's football. And even Frank Gifford said that. He's like, he, I would have done the same thing to his ass if I was in the same position. So respect, homie. But Chuck, Chuck Bednarik was a bad, bad, bad motherfucker. Um, like I said, it was almost, it was difficult to put, not put him at number one. I almost did, but there's just, like I said, this other center did one thing that everybody else couldn't do. Anyways, in the amazing career of Chuck Bednarik, he is a two-time champion. As I said, he started in 1949, so he, uh, he played before it became the NFL. Um, he is a 10-time first team. Like, 10-time. That is just fucking nuts there. And he's also a part of the 50th, the 75th, and the 100th anniversary teams. Um, Chuck Bednarik is just literally a badass motherfucker and the... Uh, I wish, that's a guy I wish I would have got to see play, even though he played for my least favorite team on the face of this fucking planet. Now, at number one on my top five greatest centers of all time, Mel Hine. He played for the New York Giants, and I know a lot of people don't know him because uh, he played for the Giants from 1931 to 1945. He was also a two-way player, just like the great Chuck Bednarik. He played linebacker as well and center. At center, he played in 170 games and started 153 of them. On defense, he had 10 interceptions, one fumble recovery, and one touchdown. Now, here's the thing that put Mr. Mel Hine over everybody. That is, he is the only, not only just center, but the only offensive lineman ever. And just imagine Just imagine saying this in today's day and age of football. He is the only center or lineman to ever win the MVP. He was an MVP. That's how fucking good this dude was. There's no way in hell we're ever going to see in our time a lineman be the MVP. Because we're so hung up. We're lucky if a wide receiver or a running back gets a shot at the MVP. This is purely like a quarterback award at this rate. But... 
When you win the MVP as a center, shit, I had to put you at number one. I, I did. I was looking at the stats between these top three, especially between Otto, Hein, and Bednarik, and I, I, I was really, really close because, like, Otto and Bednarik are badass motherfuckers. Hein was just an excellent... He just... he. If you actually read about him, he just was born to, born to be in football. He, he actually coached after his career. Um, but uh, he wasn't as dirty, if you will, as uh, Otto and Bednarik. Those guys, you look at them and you're like, fuck, I don't want to go up against them. Hein, he, and maybe it was just because I'm not used to, you know, I mean, he played in the fucking 30s and 40s. What I, There ain't, there's not a lot of uh, footage that we can look at with uh, him. But, you know, having the MVP, I was like, damn. That's how fucking good this dude was. Had to put him at number one. Also, he was a part of the uh, first ever inductees into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. So uh, that's another big thing. He also was a two-time champion um, and an eight-time first team as well. So uh, Mel Hine, I was I was actually uh, very happy that I did this list because I got to learn about, um, you know, I knew who Bednarik was. I've heard of him, of course. Um, but when you actually go and research those top three especially, I'm like, whoa. These guys were badass motherfuckers, and uh, to see that an offensive lineman has actually won an MVP, wow, that was crazy. So that is my top five this week, the greatest centers in the NFL of all time. Um, so like I said, if Jason Kelsey is retiring, hats off to you, dude. Mad respect from a fucking Cowboys fan who fucking hates everything about the Philadelphia Eagles, but... I love the sport of football, and I always have to show respect, and I don't care who you played for. If you are a great one, I'm going to fucking show you respect, and Kelsey, you deserve all the fucking respect for the amazing career you had. All right, y'all, enjoy this fantastic weekend of football, and I will talk to you fools on Monday.